This week on TSR, we're going to AwesomeCon. The Last Jedi is out on digital. Space news. And Star Wars on TV. All that and more on this episode of TSR. listening to TSR number 185. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Brian. We're recording on a Saturday morning today. St. Patrick's Day. Why are we recording on a Saturday morning? I don't know, because it's when we had available. <laughs> well, it was going to be a segue oh. into us seeing A Wrinkle in Time last <laughs> yes, night. Yes, we but saw okay. A Wrinkle in Time last night. I was, I did, I did that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I should know, because I put the bullet there. <laughs> Uh, it's it's early it is early it's, so yeah we saw a wrinkle in time last night yeah i really enjoyed it what about you i did too i mean it's I'm... it's definitely a children's movie yeah it definitely has the cheesy dialogue be- befitting a children's movie yeah i mean I, w- I don't know if i'd even call it cheesy i'd call it um heartfelt like very earnest in in ways that adult movies aren't but um, yeah, like so. A Wrinkle in Time is currently forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, whereas that movie we keep seeing trailers for on the Food Network, I can only imagine, has fifty five percent. Okay, come on. I have a hard time believing that I can only imagine has a higher is better than A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, yeah, I. I don't get it. Okay, so it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination. I do think that uh, I've seen many worse movies that had a significantly higher Rotten Tomatoes aggregate score than A Wrinkle in Time did, though. Yeah, like, it's right now, so apparently Justice League, I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes, Justice League is 40%, and I have a really hard time believing that a Wrinkle in Time and Justice League are almost on the same quality. Like, I I feel like if you judge A Wrinkle in Time's just the story, like, it's a good story. It's a very typical quest. And there's a lot... I mean, it's it's very simple and straightforward, and that's the way the book was. I don't think there's anything bad about it. So I I don't really get why all the reviews are are so bad. I I do wonder what the conversation of this film would be if film criticism wasn't so predominantly white, male, and old. I think I think on this part I think the old might be. I think the old is a factor here. Yeah. Um and I I mean old people Old film reviewers aren't necessarily always down on children's films, but I feel like they overlooked a lot of stuff this film did, um, yeah. especially towards the end, which I thought the ending in particular, I thought was really subversive right. for a children's film. Yeah, because it's not just like a happily ever after ending. I mean, it is, but it's not. And like, it doesn't have a typical climax 
like action climax. It's Meg is saving her brother because of love, you know? Yeah, but and, the film ends with a bunch of broken characters who are on the right path to being whole again, but yeah. are still at that point ultimately broken. Yeah. That's very not children's film like yeah. <laughs> hello mara and even the audience score is low for rotten tomatoes and it's i've just it's the the critic consensus is a wrinkle in time is visually gorgeous big-hearted and occasionally quite moving unfortunately it's also wildly ambitious to a fault and often less than the sum of its classic parts i don't agree yeah, I I don't know if I agree with that either. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I I need to read the book again to see how it compares cuz I haven't read the book since I was like probably the last time I read it was a teenager. But I f- It's yeah, it's been at least 20 years since I've read it. But I remember reading the book and thinking this is really weird. This is really strange. I don't understand these things. <laughs> and I watched the movie thinking the same thing, you know. I, I do like that um I like the way they visualized everything, like the it whole thing at the end, like I was kind of worried they would have the it be like a person, you know? And it it wasn't, so I was I was appreciative of that. And I liked that it because it's a movie, it has the benefit of going into more of what happened with her father disappearing and showing his discoveries and you know i felt like i feel like there's a lot in this movie for kids to like but then also there was a lot for parents to like um i i agree i i haven't read john scalzi's blog post about it but he wrote about seeing a wrinkle in time and how he liked it so much and how it's a very i think like how it's a very different experience as a parent Um, well i i think i think that part of the problem is a wrinkle in time speaks to some speaks to audience that a couple audiences that aren't really big target demos or really reflective in film criticism. And it's kind of hard to articulate what these audiences are, but if you see the film and it resonates with you in certain parts, you'd know exactly what I mean. Yeah. Um, but no, I thought it, I thought it was a good, I thought it was a good film. Uh, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought it had some rather important things to say. I do think it was very ambitious, um, and I give it a lot of credit of sticking to its guns and just talking to an audience it wanted to talk to. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I totally see why this film isn't for everyone, though, um, but... There's going to be a lot of people who go and see this that it's going to resonate with an awful lot. Yeah. Here's a here's a one of the critics' reviews. Um it's funny because the the all the, the 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 critic the the reviews I'm seeing like from the, the top critics are all a lot mostly positive. Um one of them is judged on its own terms. A Wrinkle in Time is pretty good, perhaps even a quite good movie, but it is a children's movie. See it with a child or, as DuVernay recommends, with a child's wonder. Otherwise, probably don't bother seeing it at all. And that's from The Atlantic. 
I feel like that's harsher than they grade other children's films, though. Yeah, I I agree. Like, you know, trolls or, you know, yeah, like which I mean, a lot of people said that trolls was actually pretty funny, you know, but I, you know, most of the time they'll oh, yeah, this is funny. It's good for kids. Go see it, you know, or uh, like I'm just I'm trying to think of how critics respond to like a Pixar movie. Or like the latest Disney animated feature, which yeah, it's like it's like they're using a different scoring rubric for this film, but I can't quite figure out where the discrepancy lies. Yeah, because like, what's the last? I think the last Disney movie we saw was Moana. Yeah, and like, I mean, that one was pretty universally praised yeah. by critics, and I I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good, but it was also a a children's movie. <laughs> you know, it's not complex. It's it's very i mean plot wise it's not complex is what i mean but like you know it's very and like frozen frozen is like what nine like barely 90 minutes long yeah well it feels it feels like they're grading a wrinkle in time more on the adult film curve but they're also on the same time missing a lot of the subversive things the film did yeah which i I, I can't figure out what the grading criteria these film critics are using for this one and yeah. I'm, I'm not someone who i'm not someone who bashes critics all the time because normally on the rotten tomatoes aggregate what it says on the aggregate is usually what i feel about the film yeah like a wrinkle in time like a black panther is 97 percent. and i thought that was one of the best films i've seen in yeah i mean objectively one of the best films i've seen in quite some time right I also, but I also feel like Black Panther was sort of similar in the fact that it's, it's, it's sort of, it's a straightforward comic book movie with a lot of subtleties and that makes it different from the usual fare. You know what I mean? And I feel like A Wrinkle in Time is sort of the same thing. On the surface, it's a straightforward kids movie, but it's, if you dig deeper, it's not. So I don't understand why... You know, on the one hand, you know, other kids movies are like, oh, yeah, it's a good movie for kids. Go see it. And then this one is like, no, it's not good. Don't go see it. And like and I was worried about the kid actors because like for the bulk of the movie, it's the three kids. It's Meg and Calvin and her and Charles Wallace. And I was especially worried about Charles Wallace knowing like what a role he plays in the finale and that he's a lot he's younger um because we all know how young actors can ruin a movie if they're not up to par Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and i was actually really impressed with them all like i thought calvin was very sweet and heartfelt and like i felt really bad for him when they delved into his backstory i thought meg was great storm reed i i thought she was fantastic and charles wallace was creepy when he needed to be creepy and then he was sweet when he needed to be sweet and he was you know kind of weird which is the point of charles wallace Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah and and, i mean the adult actors were all really good i I especially loved liked reese witherspoon yes mrs wessett she was very funny and quirky which is that part and oprah brought the gravitas that really only oprah can bring which yeah. was great yeah um but no i not I mean, a, were... it's not a perfect film but i thought it was a good film yeah. and i think it's a film that i think it's a film that parents and children are going to get different things out of and it just it's weird to me that there's this 
disconnect. Like, right. Critics were looking for something else. Mm hmm. Like there were, I mean, there were parts when um, it was kind of like, like a lot of the stuff on Uriel. Yeah. It was very like, it. that was just basically, here are special effects here, and look at how pretty it here's looks. Here's some imagination fodder for your and children. And it's like, this is really weird. Like it kind of doesn't have a point other than them finding, seeing Kamazots and all of that and realizing that he went there. But like. But that's what the book is like. The book is a journey. The book goes from this place to this place to this place to this place until they find the dad. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. I liked it. I I really enjoyed it. It it hit on it hit on stuff growing up for me. And I appreciated that, like, because Ava DuVernay has said she wrote, she made it for kids. Like, she made it with the view of a child. And so, like, there were some shots where the faces weren't framed, like, in the center of the, of the screen. Like, they would show, like, two people looking at each other, but, like, you would see, like, the halves of their faces and then, like, the blank space in the middle. And I'm like, these are weird, like, choices but i realize like it's very much trying to put you in the mindset of when you were a child and you were looking up at people all the time and you know you were kept out yeah. of kept out of conversations and oh you're just a child you don't see all the big picture yeah it was super super clever in in that way yeah um so yes wrinkle in time we really enjoyed it it may not be for you mm-hmm. um and we do have to mention the diversity of it. Uh, the casting. Yeah, the casting was impeccable. Yeah, Just, well, because, I mean, and it wasn't ever done as, like, a, like, you know, look at how diverse we are. It's just, like, this is how, you know. It ne- it never did that thing that people always complain about. Oh, it's hitting you over the face with diversity. No, it just felt like a yeah. real collection of people yeah and like you would see yeah and like you don't look at the family and be like oh it's a biracial family that's odd because it's not odd anymore like this is like normal hello (laughs) yeah (laughs) hi (laughs) like you know yeah i'm a white person married to a biracial person it's not weird yep and uh in conclusion hot dad chris pine yeah (laughs) but even like the you know the witches you know you got oprah you got mindy kaling and then uh mindy kaling was great by the way i loved her and michael pena as uh i think the character's name is red and like yeah even you know I we I remember afterwards I'm saying like Charles Wallace was so cute and I'm trying to figure out like is he in any other movies and like because he was and like the whole fact that he's adopted like no one warned me about that <laughs> I was very mad about oh but yeah it was good no yep go see it we liked it mm-hmm. give it a shot mm-hmm. uh hey we got some announcements yeah some, we do. some housekeeping we should do before we move too further on. Too much further into the show. Uh, hey, we're going to be at Awesome Con. We are. What is Awesome Con? Awesome Con is a general geek science fiction fantasy comic convention that takes place in Washington, D.C. Uh, uh, when is this taking place? I know we're leaving in two weeks. Two weeks? Yep. In two weeks. 
Uh, and we're going to be on some panels there. Uh, you and I are going to be on the Redemption in Star Wars panel. Yes. You will be on the Women of Star Wars panel. Yes. And uh, I will be as well as uh, the Book Wars pod folks on the Star Wars Multimedia Empire panel. Yay. That will be fun. And I believe uh, Bria... Uh, from the blog is also going to be on the uh, mass speculation and Star Wars panel that she does every year with some other folks. Correct. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you're going to be at Awesome Con, uh, we will be there. Come say hi because we will also have stuff we will be giving away. Yes. Come get stuff from us. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. First con we've done in a while. Uh, of Dice and Droids is back. Season two kicked off last week. Uh, listen to me stumble around as the GM as I you didn't struggle stumble to around. You were figure good. Things out. You were good. But yes, if you haven't listened to Of Dice and Droids before, season two, episode one is a good jumping in point. Would you? Um, what, what? How would you describe this episode? If you had to pick out one highlight from this episode, what would it be? Um, that happened in the episode. Oh, I don't know. I'm the GM. I can't choose. What would you choose? We went to Space Costco. <laughs> the, the the players did go to Space Costco. It was my fault. It was we had best. to buy stuff for our trip. You gave us 10,000 credits and you said, go provision yourselves for this journey. So I said, we need to go buy underwear at Costco and snacks. <laughs> and snacks. Uh, I love my players so much. I love them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, of Dice and Droid season two uh, kicked off last week. If you haven't listened before, season two, episode one, great place to jump in. Yep, it is. Someone asked about that, and you can definitely start. Yep. Uh, and if you don't know what of Dice and Droids is, you may not. Um, yeah, we are playing. Explain it, Brian. This is a tabletop role playing game using Fantasy Flight's uh, Star Wars role playing game environment. So think Dungeons and Dragons, but with Star Wars. Yes, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, hey, Nancy, I got a new toy. Oh, God. <laughs> you want to talk about my new toy? You can talk about your new toy while I roll oh, no. my I'm, eyes. I'm, I'm looping you into this. I'm going to oh. need you to plug in your headphones. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> Added this to the show notes at the last minute. So I got a new toy. It is a, it is a series of virtual uh, synthesizer recreations. So one of the niche things that I geek out over are vintage synthesizers vintage, vintage everything pretty much yeah i know but uh, vintage synth synthesizers in particular uh the old keyboards that generated music in the 70s and 80s and the synthesizer that i am the biggest fanboy of is the yamaha dx7 the yamaha dx7 pretty much powered um powered the uh powered the 80s as far as music goes and um i'm just gonna pull this up here and just play some notes on this even though i don't have my keyboard plugged in so uh essentially what this is is this is a recreation of the yamaha dx7 that's stored as a sound bank on my laptop i can plug in my uh, keyboard workstation into this and just make music with it and 
you get patches like that from the famous Yamaha DX7 sound banks. Now, Nancy, do you know what songs the Yamaha DX7 was used on? Uh, no. Axel F. Let's, let's, uh, let's play a game. Okay. Name the song. All right. Broken Wings. Mr. Mr., yes. Uh, this is the DX7 being used as the bass line. Okay. <laughs> and, oh, what else? You know I'm um, good at 80s music trivia. Uh, you are great at 80s music trivia. You did it on the boat. Let's do this one. Yeah, so the DX7 really <coughs> powered the 80s here. I think you'll know this one. Okay. Open your heart. The brass lines to Madonna's Open Your Heart, as well as a bunch of the other sounds in this song. Oh my god. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> Why is this terrible? This is great. And uh, let's do this one. <sighs> why are you doing this to me? Because it's fun. That's why. Sure, that's that's something. I mean, if you've ever wa if you've watched this movie, you know instantly what this is. <laughs> oh God! Yes. Mm -hmm. Take my breath away. By Berlin are you going from the music top. Well, I expect you to serenade me with this song now if you're going to play this on I the can't, keyboard. I can't sing that high. Well, no, I meant like on the keyboard. Oh, sure, sure. And oh, one more. Uh, this the the DX7 had a very famous patch um, that was used by one artist in particular. A patch. All a patch, which is a sound bank or oh, a, a sound okay. file, essentially. Okay. Uh, and this artist liked to use this one a lot. Okay. <laughs> Tina Turner. Uh huh. <laughs> the flute from Tina Turner's "What's Love Got to Do with It" That's and a bunch of other songs. Yeah, this is the Yamaha DX7. All right. <laughs> so yes, the. The, the Yamaha DX7 is the keyboard sound of the 80s. Uh, Harold Faltermeyer, Jan Hammer, they played with the DX7 all the time. I've now got a virtual DX7, which is great because I sold the DX7 I used to own when I was in college and needed money for other things, and I'm very sad about that. But I've got a virtual one now, and I'm happy. Okay. Welcome to this edition of Other Things Brian Geeks Out Over. <laughs> Uh, it's, it was only a matter of time. It really was. Okay, moving on. Hey, uh, The Last Jedi came out on digital. Yes! And I bought it, even though we're going to buy the Blu-ray, because I... You let me. I told... I said I would wait, but you, you decided... You said no. Nancy, you deserve nice things. I deserve Luke Skywalker. Yes, you do. We need Luke Skywalker. You don't need Luke Skywalker. Nancy begs to differ. I do, Mark. I do. <laughs> but yeah, The Last Jedi's out on digital. I watched parts of it already. I'm sure you can figure out which ones. Um, and uh, we have to watch the commentary. We haven't done that yet. We did watch uh, the... Uh, director, um, 
the digital. documentary. Yes, we did watch. Which we watched was the documentary. Fantastic. The, the director and the Jedi. It was really good. Um, has a lot of behind the scenes stuff, and uh, I think it's probably the best documentary they've made since the beginning. Um, I really. Well, it's it's an actual documentary, and yeah. credit to Lucasfilm, they let that documentary go in some potentially uncomfortable places, uh, yeah. particularly. Um, getting into sort of the tension between Mark Hamill and Ryan Johnson yeah. over Luke Skywalker's direction. Yeah. And I mean, the thing I appreciated that is even like Mark would say like he fundamentally disagreed with everything Ryan Johnson did, but then he, you know, it's Ryan's movie. He doesn't own Luke, you know, he just plays the character. And so he said, you know, I disagree with what you're doing, um, but I'm going to do the best I can to make it work. And he did. You know, he gave his all for that role. And there's this sort of meta narrative arc yeah. in the uh, documentary of sort of Mark's journey from reluctance to sort of acceptance yeah. of this arc. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, obviously at the end of the movie, Luke Skywalker dies and it's kind of like Mark accepting that. Um, but also the fact that, you know, he knows he's not done with Luke Skywalker because, uh, you know, there's a force ghost possibility, which better happen or else. Um, but uh, it was it was really good and I liked it. And, you know, the ending, bring your tissues because it's, you know, it's sad because they're filming the stuff like Luke's final scenes. But then they show that scene with Mark and Carrie and it's really hard to watch. <laughs> and like after like after their film after they cut like mark gets up and walks away because <laughs> he's you know so it's so emotional so yeah it was it was it was a really good documentary yeah, there were a lot of behind the scenes stuff there where you see how much mark puts into these roles yeah and yeah it was really good mm -hmm. But uh, enough of that. Let's take a BuzzFeed quiz. <laughs> well, no, there's other stuff on the on the thing, too. We haven't talked about the deleted scenes. Oh, we yeah. Watch those. The deleted scenes, which to the I, I liked most of them, but I understand why they were deleted. Except for maybe one. The Phasma one. Yeah. OK, the, the problem with the Phasma one is I like the way the physicality of the the Phasma's death in the movie like I like the fight scene. I like I like her getting the upper hand and then Finn coming up and like knocking her down and her falling into the fire. Like I like all that. The dialogue is where I wish they had been able to, to put that figure back out in. some way to get that narrative from yeah. that deleted scene into what they used because that narrative really did a lot for the character yeah so and, that was a bummer and especially if you've read phasma like i have a feeling that is the script that delala dawson went off of because you know and and you know if you even even if you haven't read phasma you know like she uh she put down the shields on the circular base and uh so trying to get into why she did that basically she'll do anything to survive and in the deleted scene you see that she will do anything to make sure the story doesn't get out and that, you know, basically she does, she's not seen as, or outed as a traitor, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so good stuff there. Um, definitely can see why pretty much all of those scenes were cut, though. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I the 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 third lesson one, which is or basically like which is the caretaker party. Um, I I like that scene. I understand why it was cut because of pacing, but um, it does help with motivation. It helps with motivation. It's also like you know I don't like the fact that Luke is basically lying to Ray, but. You know, I like that at the end he's laughing at her and he's like, you just ran so fast. And uh, like the reveal. So basically how it is, it's like she thinks the the caretaker village is being raided, but it's actually like the male caretakers coming to like have their monthly party. (laughs) And like she busts in and they're like just staring at her. And then she's like, what is she's like so mad and annoyed. And (laughs) over to Chewie and R2 and she goes seriously <laughs> that was really funny uh, and then like Luke shows up and you're like wondering like so does Luke and like Luke just like hang out at these parties <laughs> like they're like all right come come hang out with us stupid Jedi guy it's the only entertainment he gets it is but then um like the the whole thing of her being angry at him and like that is where she's walking and she has she has that connection with Kylo right before she goes into the cave. I feel like that did a lot to make that because yeah. my problem is it's always it goes so quickly from her being I want to learn from you and please teach me and Kylo's evil to being going and like telling him all her darkest secrets and touching hands yeah and so believing he's he's redeemable so you had two you had kind of two things at conflict there you either leave the scene in and luke skywalker comes off as a way bigger dick than he needs to come off as or you lose motivation for what happens there yeah i think they just needed like one extra bit of like the the scene that precedes it is the 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 second lesson you know when she's like kylo fails you i won't like i feel like they could have added something at the end of that scene to show her being more angry you know you think you know kylo failed you and you think i'm gonna do the same and i'm not and you know i'm it's not right of you to blame me for what he did and yeah you know why didn't why didn't you try to fix anything after he went bad? Why did you just run away? That yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, In- interesting stuff there. And there's a score only track. The score only track is sheer brilliance, and I hope every Star Wars film moving forward does this. I want them to go back and do it for all of the Star Wars films. So basically, it's the movie, but all it is is the score. So it's like a silent film. And it's it's it you know it's great to just put on in the background and listen to while you're doing something, and like it it undercuts the moments of silence and how they're so good, like the Holdo maneuver, which is completely silent, but for some reason just having the music go silent makes it even more of a more pronounced. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so yes. It's out on digital, mm-hmm. out on Blu-ray soon. Go get it. Yes. Want to take a BuzzFeed quiz? I do want to take a BuzzFeed quiz. Which BuzzFeed quiz are we taking? The Which Star Wars The Last Jedi Quote Should Be Your Comeback from the official Star Wars website. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so, uh, 
So do you want to read and sure, I'll, I'll give an it. answer this time? Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, we'll both take the quiz. Sure. So question one, how do you normally win an argument? Do you, you use facts, use threats, stand your ground, make your opponent feel small? I tend to use facts. All right. I will say I also use facts. So it's going to be a thing where we just <laughs> use the same answers again. I don't know. Who do you most often stick up for? The underdog, the system, whoever is most powerful, whoever is right. I tend to stick up for the underdog because that is very much the Gryffindor in me. <laughs> uh, usually for me, it's whoever is right. <laughs> All right. Number three. How do you feel about the coworkers you dislike? They can't be trusted. They're incompetent. They're disloyal. They're unintelligent. <laughs> Usually it's their incompetent for That's me. Me too. <laughs> it's not very nice, but yeah. which is most important to you? Respecting your superiors, getting what you deserve, following the rules, winning. Winning. <laughs> which one? Um. All of these are kind of crappy answers. I don't like any. I don't of like these. any of these answers. Yeah. I guess. I would say getting what I deserve. I deserve. Uh, that's kind of the one Seems I was leaning like the towards as of well. It. Yeah. Um, okay. What? Who makes you the most angry with a picture of us? <laughs> Traitors, know-it-alls, bullies, rebels. Bullies. Cap. Your your cap. Um, I will say it's a toss-up, but I'm gonna say know-it-alls. Okay. I feel like those are pretty much the same. Yeah. Which as adjective best describes you? Funny, headstrong, intimidating, or reliable? You are reliable. <laughs> okay, that's what I was going to pick too. I don't know what I'd pick for myself. Um You're not going to like my answer. What? Headstrong. I mean, I don't like it, but I agree with it. <laughs> Which brand of sass do you like most? Ray, General Hux, Luke Skywalker, or Leia Organa? <sighs> hmm. I mean, there's only one correct answer. It's Luke. No, it's Leia. You really? pick Luke, I pick Leia. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because he's not usually sassy, but when he is... He who do you think you would disagree with the most? <laughs> Poe Dameron, Kylo Ren, Ray, or Finn? Kylo. Kylo. <laughs> Which job would suit you best? President, teacher, soldier, lawyer. I know you. What? Teacher. Yeah. I'm going to say lawyer because I work with them. Okay. What which would you most like to achieve? Power, justice, knowledge, or fame? Knowledge for me. Knowledge. I feel like I was all over the place with this quiz. Mine is uh I I think I have to be honest and say fame. <laughs> Aww. Not like not fame fame, but I guess if I go for like dream of having a book published. That's, okay. That's the closest. No, no, that's that's good. Okay. So <laughs> what's your answer? What's your result? Impressive. Every word in that sentence was wrong. <laughs> nice. 
I got the best one. Get your head out of your cockpit. That's good. <laughs> you know just what to say to cocky flyboys who won't stay in their lane with a d- and with a dash of humor to boot. You tend to stand your ground on what's right, even if it means having to occasionally deal with some difficult people. Congratulations. You have the sass and wit of Leia Organa. I'd like agree that. with that. I like that answer. Uh, like Luke Skywalker, you tell it like it is and like to stick to the facts. You don't get caught up in niceties and have no trouble dashing out sarcasm when needed. You would make a great teacher if you aren't already, as long as you keep the patience of a Jedi. I don't know if that really describes me. I think it does. Really? Yeah, okay. I do. All right. Hope you all enjoyed that quiz. Yeah. Moving on to the news. The news. The Oscars happened. Yes. We didn't know any of the movies nominated. <laughs> we had a bad year watching films. This is probably why we got Movie Pass, so we can go see more movies we wouldn't normally see. I do want to see Get Out. Yes, agreed. And I also kind of want to see Shape of Water. Yeah. Um, even though I I, I, I I, don't know. I can't say I wouldn't like it because I really loved Pan's Labyrinth, but it definitely was the type of, mo- was the type of movie I don't want to see again because it freaked me the hell out. But um, but I do want to see Shape of Water, and I would like to see Get Out even again. I don't know if it's the type of movie I'd want to see multiple times, but from what I hear, I feel like we should. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So the big the big talk of Oscar night was, of course, the Me Too movement and Time's Up, and they um, Frances McDormand won. Uh, for best actress and during her speech she mentioned she just like said two words inclusion writer so of course everyone the next day was like this is what it is and here's what it is and blah 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 it's basically something you put in your contract so saying like a certain percentage of roles have to be given to uh like women or um people of color and the same with behind the scenes as well um so basically saying if you have the clout to do this you should do it because it'll help make changes and even if you don't have the clout to do it you should do it too um and i agree with that i feel like that should just be the the standard default you know especially you know i I don't want to say especially because it's important behind the end in front of the camera but like I, you know, you watch the Oscars and, like, especially the technical awards, it's very bro-y. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very bro-y. Uh, but, yeah. I I appreciated those comments and, you know, I don't know where I'm going with this, <laughs> so pick it up for me. Uh, okay, but... Uh- Big congratulations to uh, Guillermo del Toro and uh, Jordan Peele yeah. for taking home some Oscar hardware. Um, yeah. Oh, is this where I can can I bitch about um, white women in this part as as one? Yeah, uh, I know exactly where you're going. As so a, take it away. As a white woman, so back at I think it was the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Natalie Portman was presenting the award for best director. I I don't think she was alone, but I can't remember who was with her. And she, you know, started giving, you know, announcing the nominees by saying, and the all male nominees are, and then, you know, they did their names and showed, you know, called their names. 
And everyone's like, oh, man, look at her calling her, like, telling it like it is. And boom, she told them and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, Natalie, it sucks that all the nominees are men. However, they're not all white. And that is important to call out because that's still unusual. (laughs) It's just as unusual uh, for a man of color to be nominated than a woman so perhaps you should look at intersectionality and see that it's important and a big deal and the same thing happened at the oscars when they said and uh congratulations to the men and like i can't remember what emma stone said but she was like uh something about greta gerwig and the congratulations to these four men and and, greta gerwig yeah yes thank you which the the intent there was clear yeah um and like yes there's five nominees like only one is a woman that is you know telling it's also telling because that's kind of what the demographic of directors is and by demographic of directors i mean who who we see as directing the big big budget movies not actual directors because there are a lot of women directors who don't get chances to direct these movies that win oscars and get a lot of money at the box office because of systemic sexism and racism in hollywood Mm -hmm. so um you know to 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 call out greta gerwig for her accomplishment but not guillermo del toro and jordan peele is kind of shitty. Um, and I would like for that to stop. I would like to make an appeal to all the white women as, as one of you to stop. <laughs> um, we can't take away from, we can't, we just can't take away from the moment a Mexican immigrant, especially mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. wins best director and wins best picture and and the person you know and and another you know african-american is nominated for best director making a movie about race relations in america and he won for best screenplay so that's kind of a big deal and like yes you know it sucks that there are not a lot of women directing these types of movies and they should be and that is the conversation to have but i don't think it's a conversation to have at the oscars or at the golden globes because i also feel like it takes away from the accomplishments of other people who are nominated who haven't necessarily done anything wrong (laughs) you know well in it all the bigger problem is it takes away from the accomplishments of people who are also facing a ton of systemic barriers to being in Hollywood. And the other two, the other two directors who were nominated in that category, like, I feel like it's kind of shitty to take away from their accomplishment when, you know, they've been nominated for an Oscar and that's a big, huge deal. Um, You know, and it's like, it, yes, it's a conversation to have, um, I, I don't know if while presenting at the awards is during that award is the time to bring it up and not bring up other things like, yay, Guillermo del Toro finally winning Best Director. You should have won for Pan's Labyrinth, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, uh, 
you know, it. Ava DuVernay wasn't nominated for Selma, you know, and a lot of people said that was kind of crappy. I mean, also, you can go back to, I can't remember what year it was, maybe 1992, when um, The Prince of Tides came out. Barbara Streisand directed it. And it was nominated for Best Picture, and she was not nominated for Best Director. And they called, like, I think that was when Billy Crystal was hosting the Oscars, and he, uh, he in his intro song, he, like, said, but was the film directed by itself? Because a lot of people, like, said, why was she not nominated for Best Director? You know, the movie was nominated, it got all these other awards, but not Best Director. And... That was in 1992. So, mm-hmm. and you know, when I, I, I'm, I'm saying Barbara Streisand because my mom is a huge fan. So I know all of her history. When she first, when she directed her first movie, everyone was like, what are you doing directing a movie? You can't direct a movie. What are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. Uh, when male actors get to do that all the time. Yeah. So basically my point is like, if you're going to call out, sexism as as we should um try not to do it at the expense of people who are other marginalized marginalized communities yeah and that and you know if you want to cycle back to star wars this is the same problem this is rogue one 100 yes it sucks that jen urso is the only only woman on the team and it only as a white woman but you have to be careful not to jam the jam the signal with so much noise on that when we also need to celebrate look at all of these asian actors mm-hmm. who are getting this shot in this mega blockbuster film and, and, that uh, never and get Mexi- these you know, shots Diego Luna yes. Mexican who's using his his normal accent you know and uh Jan Wang barely speaks hardly speaks any english you know and you know, Donnie Wen is best known as being, you know, an action star in like martial arts movies, you know. You you have yes, it is important to call these things out, but you also have to celebrate these milestone moments. Mm-hmm. And you can't downplay how important they are to these other marginalized communities. So Yes. Yeah, and I be I, careful. I just I feel like it's really it's a really crappy place to do it at at while you're giving out the award. Like it's just not the not the time or the place to do that. And then, you know, because everyone is like, Oh, she slammed them and blah 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 and not just being like Okay, but Guillermo del Toro won and that's a really Mexican important. immigrant just won this. Guys, this is for important. A, for a movie about a woman who, a mute woman who falls in love with a fish, and everyone who's saying, oh, it's just typical Oscar bait movie. I'm like, no, it's Genre not. Genre films are never Oscar bait movies. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my, my rant, and I felt compelled to make it as a white woman. They <laughs> 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 stop. Uh, stop giving us a bad name. Uh, moving Stop on. Stop being white feminists. <laughs> moving on. Black Panther beat the one billion dollar mark. Speaking of diversity, <laughs> uh, yeah, we talked about that last time and how you know people need to. This movie should you know make people shut up about the whole. We can't empathize with people who don't look like us because 
people of color do it all the damn time. The film was unapologetically <laughs> African. As and it, it should is, have been. It uh, took place uh-huh. in an African country. Uh-huh. And it is still doing gangbusters. Yep. So, yeah. Spare me. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to uh, Ryan Coogler and the uh, whole Black Panther team. $1 billion is an incredible accomplishment. Yes, it is. Uh, Kristen Wiig is in is the new Wonder Woman villain, Cheetah. I have no idea who Cheetah is, I'm, but I'm kind of side-eyeing this. I, I, I don't know. The only serious role I've ever seen Kristen Wiig in is <laughs> The Martian. The Martian. <laughs> And like, I mean, I guess she was fine in that movie. I guess she can do it. But I just think it's a really odd choice. (laughs) We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of DC films, though. And Ava DuVernay. She will be directing uh, DC's New Gods. I know nothing about New Gods. But I am suddenly interested. Well, I know... I saw that she tweeted about a character who's in this movie and like wanting to see them on film like before. And so it's cool that now she's going to direct the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like after seeing A Wrinkle in Time, she is a really good person to make a comic book movie. (laughs) I agree. I think she's got a good eye for it. Yeah. So I I think that's that's a good choice. I feel like her directing a Guardians movie would also be really good. I would love to see her take a shot at a Guardians movie. <laughs> that would be fun. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, she said uh, she tweeted something about Star Wars not being for her. That's Sad. okay. It's just up to Lucasfilm to go I find kinda, I kind of agree. Ava. I kind of agree though. Like I feel like I feel like her realm is more fantastical and like comic booky than than Star Wars, yeah, which is more sort of. I mean, I don't want to say grounded in reality because it's you know in outer space. It's all fake and in space. But it's it's more more than like say Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, where were we? Uh, there's Infinity a new War Infinity trailer. War trailer. Yeah, you didn't like it. I thought it was okay. My problems with it stemmed from my usual problems with Marvel. What's that? Too much Tony. Oh. <laughs> that much tony too much tony well i mean i'm sorry he's in this movie so they're gonna kill cap instead of him Uh, just bracing for it now i know but yeah all of the stuff with wakanda was fantastic and i just can we can that be the whole movie did you get the vibe that uh, this trailer had a bit of a shit 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 we need more black panther stuff in here i mean yeah, I mean, the movie's already done, so I feel like what they, I mean, they already had that I mean, whole the tra- sequence. I the, mean, the way yeah, they the cut trailer. the trailer. Okay, yeah, yeah, that, I, I agree. Um, I do like that they let, that Gamora was the first person you hear, um, you know, as as someone with a personal history with Thanos. I hope they, like, call that out a lot and, like, have her, like, telling them what they need to do. Um and it seems like they won't they you know won't forget that which is which is good um i'm very concerned about thor and loki i am too <laughs> and cap <laughs> but yeah um and there was also another trailer for the crimes of grindelwald which is um uh the new fantastic beast movie and i have a lot of conflicting feelings about that 
I'm not seeing this in theaters. You're not? No. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we didn't see Fantastic Beasts in theaters just, either. I'm just the casting. No. Yeah. Like, if it didn't have Johnny Depp, I would. Be I mean, it way really more comes. It really comes down to that. I'd see yeah. it if it didn't have Johnny Depp. Yeah. And like, even like, even if you ignore all of the accusations against him, which you shouldn't, but like. If he's that, bad casting yes. without the accusation problem. Yeah, that's my that's my issue. Like I he's an American. Like he shouldn't be in Harry Potter movies. Like the whole point of like the first 7 or 8 Harry Potter movies was like it's all British people. Everyone's British, you know, and like that was the whole point. <laughs> like J.K. Rowling was like, "No, we're not casting anyone who's American." And they didn't. And so for had to have an American actor play Grindelwald and not just an American actor, but like a superstar type person like Johnny Depp, who's very recognizable and very like everyone knows him. He's the quirky guy, quirky, weird. Johnny guy. Depp just plays Johnny Depp. Yeah. It's not like he can play a role like Jack Sparrow or the Mad Hatter or something like that. But like something like Grindelwald, like. No. Yeah. So, I mean. Bad choice just on an acting front. Add in the accusation stuff. And to quote George Costanza, I'm out. Yeah. And it's sad because, like, I, I want to I want to like this movie. Like, I, the whole backstory with Dumbledore and Grindelwald was part of my favorite thing in Deathly Hollows, And so it's really frustrating that, I mean, maybe I'll watch it eventually, but the whole time I'll just be I'm like, not, this is bad. I'm not going to see it in theaters. Well, I yeah, just, I mean, the, I'm saying maybe, maybe I'll, I'll catch it. it on Netflix or something, yeah. but... Yeah, no. It's not getting my money for theaters. And especially because the lead is a Hufflepuff. Come on. The disappointment is palpable, Nancy. Ugh, I know. <laughs> hey, let's do some space news. Okay, space news. Uh, acting NASA Administrator Robert Lightfoot has announced his retirement on April 30, 30th. He took over uh, for Charlie Bolden last year. Yeah. Uh, Trump nominee uh, Jim Brayton. Bridenstine? I think Bridenstine. Uh, Bridenstine uh, has not been confirmed. And he is controversial because he is a politician and not a technical or aeronautical expert in any way, shape, or form. And you know it's bad when even Marco Rubio opposes that nomination. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, so um, the acting administrator is retiring and... We still don't have a permanent, you know, person in. And even if we do, it's a politician with, you know, crappy views, political views. And like that shouldn't this 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 should not be a a position you put a political person into. No, I mean, I I am flat out against any appointee that is just going to further gut NASA's Earth Sciences program. Yeah. So, I mean, it should be someone who has experience with space. Like, I feel like there's been, you know, technical experts and former astronauts. And, you know, I think pretty much everyone who's been director of Kennedy Space Center and Johnson Space Center recently have been astronauts or like Eleanor. I think Eleanor Cho is the JSC director right now. She's a former astronaut. Mm -hmm. You know, Bob Crippen was KSC director for a lot. So it's. Yeah. Yep. Not a fan. Yeah. In uh, some sad news, uh, Stephen Hawking uh, passed, passed away, away this week. Yeah. 
Stephen Hawking, uh, physicist, author of A Brief History of Time, and man of many entertaining uh, genre television cameos. Yeah. Uh, he was... There's... <laughs> really nothing you can say. <laughs> there was yeah. no reason to ever think that Stephen Hawking would be around forever, but it just kind of felt like he would always be this eternal presence. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, sad, sad news there. Mm, and yeah. speaking of sad news, yeah. sad news to all of us kids at heart. <laughs> Toys R Us is going out of business. They have filed for Chapter Eleven. At least Toys R Us in the United States, Canada has been still in operation. Mm -hmm. uh, but Toys R Us has gone the way of KB Toys. They will be gone. Oh man, KB Toys. When was the last time you thought of KB Toys? <sighs> when I went to the mall and. So when. Two 1998 <laughs> when, K when kb toys was closing mm. they had the one at the mall by us uh pulled out a bunch of stuff from their stock room and some of the stuff they pulled out were just boxes of star wars action fleet toys they'd had sitting in the back room for years mm -hmm. and i got an entire fleet of starfighters oh, at four dollars a piece oh. and i spent fifty dollars on Backstock uh, action fleet toys when KB Toys was going out of business. Yeah. Sadly, I think uh, at Toys R Us, all you're going to be finding are Zuvios. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Heath can go stock up. <laughs> yeah, go, uh, go, go stock up, Heath. Mm -hmm. Um... So yeah, that's the news. Let's uh, yeah. let's talk a little more Star Wars. Let's uh, do the t the Last Jedi novelization hit number two on the New York Times bestsellers list. Huge, huge congratulations, congratulations to Jason Fry. Jason Fry, it's really super awesome, and I'm really happy for him. And we are trying working to get him on the show. I know he's been very busy, and the publicity people have been very busy. But hopefully, we will connect soon and get him on the show. Yeah, to talk some. Uh, Star Wars and some baseball. And Jupiter Pirates. Everyone yes. should go read the Jupiter Pirates. Please go read them. I want more of them. Yep. Um so I read the novelization already. I'm working through it. You're gonna get you're gonna get to it. Um I really enjoyed it. I am not a novelization person. I don't read them normally. Well, um I've heard that Rogue One is very good. And I might read that eventually, but normally it's just not, they're just not anything that I want to take time yeah, reading. For me, the key to a good novelization is it goes off the path of what the film did. Yeah. Um, fame, Revenge of the Sith novelization, just known for right. how it did that. And, and I have not read Revenge yeah. of the Sith. I, uh, I don't have any desire to, so don't tweet me and tell <laughs> me to read it because I don't want my the thing I have against novelizations is that I don't have the time I've spent the time I have to read. I would rather read a new story than a novelization of something I've seen. And like I I've read the original trilogy novelizations before um, because, you know, when I was getting into Star Wars, that's what I did. I sucked it up. There wasn't that much there then. Um, I read the Phantom Menace novelization and I just was kind of eh about it. Um, it did have some new stuff in it, but eh. Um, I never bothered to read Attack of the Clones and I never read Revenge of the Sith. And I don't, I, I've read some past, some of the famous passages from the, that book, but I've never felt the urge to read it. And like, I didn't really 
want to read the Force Awakens novelization because I heard that was very straightforward and didn't really add anything. The Rogue One I've is the closest one I've come to wanting to read because I've heard it's very good and Alexander Free did a really good job. But I when I saw Jason Fry was writing this one, I was like, yep, sold, gonna read it. And of course it had all the Luke stuff in it, so um it's it's very it's very good. Um, it is a novelization in that there are some parts it sticks very much to what's in the script. And I would have liked for it to go into more of, you know, go into more of the characters' heads. But there are other scenes where it it does that brilliantly. Um, the prologue is fantastic and worth the price of admission for this book. Um you know, it's 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 brilliantly done, and uh, the if you follow me on Twitter, you saw the when the night I finished the book, I posted a picture of myself after reading uh, Luke's death scene where I was sobbing hysterically, <laughs> and I knew it was coming, obviously, and I was prepared myself, but he did something in that scene that I was not expecting, and it made me wail and cry a lot. So. Um, I I definitely think it's worth the go if even if you're not normally a novelization person like me. Excellent, excellent. And uh, I hopefully will get a review up eventually. I, I I'm having a hard time figuring out how I want how to, to attack the review. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, John Favreau is uh, producing a live action Star Wars show. So the long talked about never happened live action show is going to happen. To be clear, this is not Underworld anymore. It's not Underworld. Um, so in a vacuum, I think this is a good choice. John Favreau was fine. I I I liked Iron Man. He's done. He jump started the MCU. If Iron Man had not been a good movie, we wouldn't have. The I mean, MCU. Favreau's fingerprints are all over the MCU beyond Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, he's been involved with a lot of different aspects of it. He's a good genre storyteller. Uh, he directed Elf. Who doesn't yeah. like Elf? In, in a vacuum, good, solid. He selection. Was, he was Pete on Friends, Monica's ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in a vacuum, good, solid selection. Yeah. However. <laughs> yeah. You can take this one. I've read so, enough. <laughs> how many white guys wearing glasses are we going to hire? And furthermore, why announce this on International Women's Day? <laughs> Yeah. The only thing worse would have been announcing the Game of Thrones guys that day. Yeah. Yeah. I the pro we we discussed this why this is such a problem. Because when they do these announcements, all they announce is that so and so is working on a Star Wars project. And that's pretty much all the news we get. What's the project? We're not saying yet. Where does it take place? So the only thing we Who's have... Who's in it? So the only thing we have to talk about is the guy they named. Yeah. And it's yet another white dude. We got... So when the solo directors were fired and Ron Howard was hired, I defended that decision because I said they need a well-known proven dependable director to come in and fix the movie and ron howard is has a history with lucasfilm 
they know him they trust him he's dependable like you look at ron you look at the dictionary and ron howard is where dependable is yeah and in addition if the production is as troubled as it's rumored to be mm -hmm. i'd hate to see the film be bad and someone get someone blamed for it who's not a white dude yeah someone that's not a white dude taking the fall for it yeah and plus like if you're gonna name a woman to be direct a star wars movie why have it be taking over from why a why else. have it be taking over from someone else b why have it be han solo yeah so i defended that when they announced that ryan johnson was going to be or when they announced even further when they announced that jj abrams was going to take over from Colin, Colin trevorrow I defended that. Again, because, on the troubled production front. Well, not even that. I He directed episode seven, and I loved episode seven. So I said, you know, and I know a lot of people didn't, but from my perspective, I trust him to finish this. I trust him to end the story, you know, the way he started it, which I really liked. So I said, I I understand that decision. If they couldn't have Ryan Johnson, I under I think JJ is the best choice. And then I know we realized why they didn't just hire Ryan Johnson to do episode nine, because they gave him his own trilogy. Again, I defended that and said, I understand because they liked episode eight so much and he proved himself. So they said, we want you to do something else. Okay, fine. Then you get into the Game of Thrones guys directing a series of films. And you say, okay, you have had nothing to do with Star Wars so far. Yeah, so now we're getting into... You have no history except for what we know of Game of Thrones. So now we're bringing in new people. Yes. And all of these new people are white dudes, not relationships they've had in the past. Yeah. They're going to the well for new people. Yeah. And they're just coming back with white guys. Yes. I will say that the decision to hire Jon Favreau is much more understandable because of his experience with an IP like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I feel like he is more understandable to go to for that well. The Game of Thrones guys are not understand. Like, I still don't understand the whole, hey, these guys have made Game of Thrones. Let's They should do Star Wars. I can't. I, can't, I don't can't. understand the I understand the connect between MCU and Star Wars. Yeah. I don't understand the connect between well, Game of Thrones. I just can't get past the idea that they brought in the people who pitched Confederate. Yeah. Full that, stop. Yeah, that too. I mean, that... I'm never going to be happy with that. They brought in the people who pitched Confederate. Yeah. It's a lousy look. It is a lousy look. So basically... The last two announcements that they've had for new Star Wars projects, it's basically, here are the people doing it, and that's all the information you have. Actually, the past three, because Ryan Johnson. And so all you have to talk about are the people involved. So we're going to go look at their histories. Their, and their and who they are yeah. because that's what you're announcing is who they are and when you see okay white dude white dude white dude and not just white dudes but in the case of the game of thrones guys white dudes who have a serious problem with treatment of women yeah so like you know i will i i have i have nothing personally against john favreau i will watch the star wars live action movie or live action tv show you know, if it's about x-wings i will definitely i will hug john favreau <laughs> but um, 
they they need to realize how this looks from the outside. Because we Someone has to know that the optics look super, 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 super bad. Because we don't know anything else about what they're doing behind the scenes. All we have is this, these announcements, and you can't say, trust us, all the time. And you, You're at the point where you got to put up or shut up. Yeah. You can't, I mean, and especially with the Favreau announcement, there was this vague line of yep. working with a diverse group of new creators, like... That sounded more defensive than anything, mm-hmm. and very okay, much so. If you're wor- if you have these diverse people you're supposedly working with, start naming them. And I'm also skeptical because I are they talking about diversity in the actual definition of the word, or are they talking different about different shades diversity? of white people who have different shades of storytelling? Yes, are they talking about oh diversity of storytelling in that? The Game of Thrones guys are gritty, and Ryan Johnson is more weird, and John Favreau is more sort of straightforward comic booky. Like that's not diverse storytelling. Those are different. Like vo- th- that's the voice that they're talking about. Like, and yes, you want to have different types of storytelling, but you know how you can do that <laughs> by getting people from different backgrounds. Different races, different yeah. genders, different sexualities, who have different views and lenses on the world and t- can take those views and lenses and apply them to films mm-hmm. and to television. Look at Black Panther. Yeah. The reason Black Panther works is because of Ryan Coogler's yeah. and the and the people he brought in, their lens on the world around them. Yeah. That's why it works. Star Wars Black- needs that and it is taking too damn long to get there. Uh, I 100% and it's really frustrating when people you know when people when these announcements come out and people will say well what is what does their gender have to do with them being able to make a movie it doesn't and it shouldn't but it has nothing to do we talked about this last time it has nothing to do with their ability to make the movie it has everything to do with the lens in which the movie is told and giving chances because if you're 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 basically saying we want the best person to do the job well why is the best person always a white guy is that actually the case or is that because there's systemic problems and those are the people who get these types of opportunities so my arg- they keep getting the opportunities my argument is how many ryan Kuglers, how many ava duvernays have we missed because yeah. There's a systemic barrier to letting minority groups tell stories. And How many great directors and writers have we never gotten to see anywhere because they are never afforded the chance, even though they are the best person for the job, even though they have the best story and the best way to present, they are never afforded the opportunity. So spare me this bullshit that white people are inherently, white dudes are inherently the best fit for the job. And- you just all you need to do is look at Ryan Johnson, who was not a big name director when they hired him to make episode eight. He he was known for Brick and Looper like and Looper. Yeah, Looper had, you know, was was I don't know if I want to say popular, but like it was it was a it was a blockbuster movie. It was like a big name movie. You know, that was basically his biggest thing. Yeah, if not a cri- if not a critical success, it was a commercial one. Yeah, and he was and he had done episodes of Breaking Bad. 
Like, that was pretty much what people knew him for, was episodes of Breaking Bad, Brick, and Looper. Um, Not someone like J.J. Abrams. Like, you can say, I totally understand why they hired J.J. Abrams to make episode 7, because he's got experience. But then they said, okay, we want to do something different. We want Ryan Johnson to direct episode 8. That is a good thing. I think that's a good thing. You want to get people who don't necessarily have a ton of experience. You know who they should be looking at now? Donald Glover. Yeah. Get Donald Glover behind the camera. <laughs> right. So so they had they are willing to take risks on lesser known experimental directors. So they should be able to go outside this typical white male lens. Yeah. And it's beyond time. Put up or shut up. It is. It is. If I have to hear, yes, we want women to direct a Star Wars movie, like actually do it. Actually have a woman direct a Star Wars movie. Like have have people of color writing Star Wars movies. Like that's the thing. We and it's not just directing, it's writing. <laughs> we like would would common knowledge have said that Ryan Coogler was ready to take on a multi million dollar blockbuster in Black Panther? Probably not. No. Take a Wachiti for Ragnarok? No. Nope. And I mean, there are women who are known for this, like Patty Jenkins and Catherine Bigelow and Ava DuVernay. Like, so give 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 a lesser known director a chance to make a brilliant Star Wars movie, and they will. Like, it and it's not. It's a matter of like. So Ava DuVernay says Star Wars is not her thing. Okay, how many other black female directors are there who? their thing is Star Wars and they would kill the director of Star Wars movie. Who wouldn't kill the director of Star Wars movie? Like, like th- I have, I have a friend who's a screenwriter. And when I was tweeting about the show, he's like, I already sent my agent 40 emails about getting me to write on this project. And I was, I responded. I'm like, that would be really cool. Make sure there are women in there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, wow. that's, and we've, and you know, we looked at, we're not going to talk about this since this week. We'll go next week into Rebels ending. But one of the things I noticed was they had one female writer. Whole damn run. One female writer <laughs> who wrote like a handful of episodes. That's Although when it. you look at it that way, certain things that happened in the final half of season four make a little more sense. Yeah. So, like, that's ridiculous, and there's only one woman who's ever written a Star Wars movie, and that's Lee Brackett, who wrote, like, the first draft of Empire Strikes Back. That's it. Yeah. That's it. There's been nine- And then promptly got Michael Arnted. Yeah, there's nine Star Wars movies so far. So. And and the the rest of Star Wars, I, I at least the Del Rey side of Star Wars, is getting a lot better about this, of- getting people to tell stories getting lots of diverse people to tell stories and i kind of wish everyone would sort of the the platitudes are starting to ring super not starting they are ringing super super hollow yeah at this point yeah so if you can see the importance of having a female character lead your trilogy why do you not see the importance yeah. of getting a woman to direct new Star Wars movies? Either do it or, or stop giving it lip service. Yeah. Yes. 
We were going to talk about other things today, but we, we, got went, ranty. we went on a couple pretty long rants. We're going to push our Rebels finale uh, discussion to next week. Uh, as well as brainstorming ideas for live action TV shows. Correct. <laughs> uh, but yeah. hey, this is the new format in which we talk about a lot more than just Star Wars, so. It is. And if you have a suggestion for things you would like us to talk about, please tweet us. Or join the Patreon $1 level Slack See, team. See, Brian gets segues way better than I do <laughs> at 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, let's go ahead and close out. This episode of Tashi Station Radio has been brought to you in part by you, our Patreon subscribers. That is patreon.com slash Tashi Station. Uh, join at the $1 level. That gets you into the Patreon exclusive Slack team where you can chat with us, other listeners, pitch us ideas for things to talk about. $5 level gets you input on what we call the backer cast. Uh, this month, we are letting our $5 patrons pick something for us to watch that we'll talk about on our uh month once a month bonus backer cast episode uh so yeah head on over to patreon and uh help us keep keep the lights on on this show on twitter you can find us with the handles tashi underscore station that's the official show account you can find nancy with nancy pants that's nancy with an i you can find me with lane winry l-a-n-e-w-i-n-r-e-e you can find our columns and news at the tashi at tashi hyphen station.net if you like this show uh do leave us a review on itunes uh stitcher and google play that does help us get more visible um again thanks for uh, coming out to listen to another episode we'll catch you all next time to talk a little bit of rebels so long bye TSR is brought to you by you, our Patreon subscribers. Visit patreon.com slash Station to help us keep the lights on and to get access to our Patreon-exclusive Slack team. <laughs>